You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm back for another day. I made it through another one. And we're going to we're going to talk about a couple interesting things today. But I want to start with the preview of what's coming up for the Blue Jays in this four-game series with the Angels that starts tonight in Los Angeles. It's a short turnaround for the Blue Jays after completing their two-game series with Atlanta. We'll actually talk about that in the second half of today's podcast, but let's look ahead to the Angels first. And the Angels are an interesting opponent for the Blue Jays in that they're in a similar spot to where the Blue Jays are. They've been kind of cast adrift in the playoff race. They're seven games back of Seattle for that second wildcard slot, 11 games back of Houston. So they, they have a good team. Obviously, when you have Mike Trout, you have a good team, but they're kind of adrift. So for the Angels, a series like this will help determine what they are going to try and do if they believe they can catch Seattle. Because like I said, everyone's trying to catch Seattle at this point. No one's going after Houston. No one's going after the Yankees or the Red Sox. The Tigers are making a surprising run at Cleveland, which I wish you the best of luck, Detroit, in that department. But if any of the other two divisions are going to try and catch someone, it's Seattle. So the Angels have to look at at Seattle, a team that did already start to fortify itself with Denard Spann and Alex Colomay coming from Tampa Bay, and determine if they are going to try and make a move to get better. And the Angels don't have a lot of tools to do that. Their prospect reserves are pretty shallow when you look at the team. But they do have some controllable young pitching that they could probably move. The only problem with the Angels is they have to put that controllable young pitching in the rotation because of all the injuries. And I will do my best to give you the Angels insight that I have gleaned from watching the team for Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. That's the first thing. Shohei Otani will be sir not appearing in this series, along with many other Angels who are currently on the disabled list. It's actually insane the number of people that are on there. They they are in the double digits and most of it's pitching. Most of it's going on the 60 day DL with like Tommy John surgery issues. And half their starting rotation is on there. In addition to Otani, Nick Tropiano recently went on the list. Garrett Richards is on the list. Only problem for the Blue Jays is that the three pitchers who remain all will be facing Toronto in this four game series. And there are some good ones there. The main guy to worry about is Tyler Skaggs, who will be in the opener tonight against Aaron Sanchez. Skaggs has been their best pitcher this season in 14 starts. He has a 2.81 ERA. Even fielding independent pitching has, has him at 3.26, which is second on the team behind Otani. So Skaggs is going to be very good, and he's going to be able to, to control this game very well. He doesn't walk a lot of batters. Strikes a lot of guys out, which means the Blue Jays are in trouble in that department. So Toronto has to be wary. They have to 
make sure they don't really bite on him. They they are going to have to be aggressive against Skaggs, since, again, this is a guy who does not offer a lot of free passes. So Toronto is going to have to be patient with it. Skaggs is hot, too. He's won three games in a row. Granted, Texas, Minnesota, Oakland, not a murderer's row, but he's only allowed one earned run in those three starts. And for a team that struggled on offense at times, Skaggs is going to be a very tough test for them to start the series off properly. Now, moving ahead in the series, they get John Lamb in game two. Lamb last seen in Cincinnati being, you know, exactly as you would expect a Cincinnati starter to be in 2016. That is to say, flaming pile of hot garbage. Lamb looked all right enough in his first start this season against Oakland, but again, it's against Oakland. So that I'm expecting a win from the Blue Jays on Friday. Marco Estrada is going to be out there. He's been pitching very well and he could be pitching to go on the move. So I like Estrada there. Andrew Heaney is a Saturday starter. He'll be going against Marcus Stroman. That, that will be very interesting to see what Stroman has. And this is going to be a very tough test for Stroman. This is not a light lineup to come back to. Even if you look at guys like Albert Pujols and Ian Kinsler, who are not what they used to be, obviously at age 38 and 36 respectively. But there's still Mike Trout. There's still Andrelton Simmons. Still Justin Upton. So there are still a lot of pitfalls in that lineup for Stroman. And how he deals with them, how he controls himself, will be key to how much success he has coming back from the disabled list. Missing that rehab start in New Hampshire, it's a little disappointing. He did throw a simulation game of 75 pitches, which is alright, I guess. But it's no substitute for game action so this will be an interesting test to see how he fares against this lineup Andrew Heaney on the other hand is the Angels second best pitcher who still has an arm to throw with but he's still beatable let's say that he doesn't walk a lot of batters either he doesn't give a lot of hits but when he does they tend to go out of the park 364 ERA for him 370 Fielding independent. What you see with Andrew Heaney is what you're going to get. So the Blue Jays just kind of have to work him a bit. And then in the finale, they'll get rookie Jaime Berea, 21-year-old. Looked good in... He's looked good in a short time at MLB. 5-3, ERA. But he's getting a lot of help uh, from his fielders. His fielding... Independent pitching is at 462. He's given up the same amount of home runs as Skaggs and Heaney in about half the work. So he's a guy that the Blue Jays might be able to tee off of because he does groove pitches in there. So taking all that into account, I'm expecting a split from this series. I know it's it's boring to say it's going to be a tie, but... Depending on who the Sunday starter is, whether Gavilio's back from paternity leave or if they call up a guy like Ryan Barucki. I would not be opposed to seeing Ryan Barucki start that Sunday game. And it would be on a five-day turn for Barucki, and it it wouldn't be hard to get him. You'd just have to send Joe Biagini or Preston Gilmet down to to call up Barucki or Guriel, who was called up for the paternity leave. 
that that would be a very easy fix to get Ryan Barucki up. So I I would not be surprised if Ryan Barucki did make that start on Sunday. I'll I'll throw that out there. I got I got to give you guys something other than a preview here. I I would say there's about a 30% chance that Ryan Barucki will start on Sunday against the Angels and make his MLB debut. And that would be huge for him because that would finally get him into some game action. It it would be a long time coming for him and it would it would give the Blue Jays a good look at him to prepare ahead of 2019 when you're going to be looking at at possibly replacing Marco Estrada and Jay Happ in the lineup, depending on what those two decide to do in free agency. Definitely going to be open spot with Jaime Garcia because there's no way Jaime Garcia is coming back. I think we've already determined that. So that that's what I kind of want to see. I'm with the batters for the Blue Jays. I will temper my expectations. Again, Skaggs is really good. Heaney's pretty good, but they should be awake enough to get a pair of games off the Angels. I I like Salarte to have a good series. He's one of those few guys who's actually had success against Skaggs before. He's two for three with a home run off him. So I I expect that to continue. I expect the hot streak of Randall Grichuk to continue. I think he's really figured things out. And I guess my 30% chance on Barucki was a bit off because Toronto has announced that Jaime Garcia will start Sunday's game. So I'm going to revise my prediction and say Los Angeles wins three out of four. (laughs) That's how much I think about Jaime Garcia right now. So I, that's, that's all I can really say on that. I, I thought maybe if Baruchy came up, you could have had a shot with him, but if Garcia's the call on Sunday, I don't like his chances away from home against the Angels bouncing curveball. Mike Trout can cricket bat a curveball into the stands. So, yeah, I'm I'm not very confident in Jaime Garcia anymore. So, that is what it is. Locked on Blue Jays predicts the Angels will win three out of four at home against the Blue Jays. So, let's talk about what implications that could have for the Blue Jays and their trade strategy right after this. Okay, I said I wanted to wait to talk about the finale against Atlanta because it's pertinent to a much larger conversation we're going to have, and that's about where Jay Happ is going to be this time in two months. Jay Happ was excellent again against the Braves. He went out, he, he took a team that was feeling really good about itself. It's a division leader, and he basically shut them down for eight innings. Ran into a little trouble with the ninth, and Ryan Tapera let both runners score, which kind of inflated Hap's ERA a little bit. But that doesn't take away from a brilliant start against the Angels for Jay Hap. And I'm sure no one was happier than Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro seeing that, because they just earned themselves another prospect with that performance. Jay Hap is probably the best prospect that the Blue Jays have had to trade in in like a a we are going to sell off trade since Roy Halladay and no he's not going to get a Roy Halladay package which is good because in the end the Roy Halladay package turned out to be meh yeah it eventually got Devin Travis but Kyle Drabeck was disappointing so what the Blue Jays do do from that perspective will be interesting Again, we've talked about 
potential targets on this podcast. We talked about Milwaukee, talked about New York, talked about Seattle, Atlanta. I know former guest Wade Black, very high on Atlanta picking up J-Hap, as you heard on this podcast this week. I could see that as well. He has familiarity with Anthopolis, but if the Blue Jays want a boomerang situation with Hap, I'm not sure I want to send him to Anthopolis. I think I'd rather send him to Milwaukee or the Yankees, a place where the turnaround is more certain than if you send him to Atlanta and he starts getting comfortable there pitching against NL East foes again. You, you feel really good about yourself when you face the Marlins multiple times and can just ring them up for strikeouts. But in contrast to that, there was a piece that came out earlier today from Jonah Carey where he said the Blue Jays should be buyers at the deadline and start looking for starting pitchers under control. And he floated out some big names. He floated Jacob deGrom. He floated Noah Syndergaard. He floated Michael Fulmer from Detroit. He said that if if you do that, you can trade guys like Bo Bichette and Danny Jansen to try and get them. And I, I've read Jonah for a while. I, I know what he's about. I know he really wants Montreal to come back in, and he's not alone in that perspective but if he wants to try and sabotage toronto to make montreal look good when they come back which they will because as we said on this podcast before tampa bay is going to be moving up there within the next five years because they're not they're, they can't stay in tampa they can't keep playing in a stadium that draws ten thousand to a game so i want to talk about why this feels like a mistake waiting to happen you can't really project pitchers, especially young pitchers, from year to year. Yeah, yeah, you can you can try and hit on that one and be and and be right about it. you. You didn't know Noah Syndergaard was going to be an All Star when you traded him for R.A. Dickey, and now that he is, that's great. But you also don't know what his injury situation is going to be. And both Syndergaard and Degrom have had injury situations already this year that make them very risky going forward. Michael Fulmer, not as much. Fulmer might actually be the guy that if I had to choose, I would target because he looks like he's going to be consistently good for a while. But the price you give up for these guys, and Kerry mentioned this in his article, that Oakland has a track record of flipping guys with multiple years of team control and getting prospects for them. So why would you want to pay that price for a guy that you are not sure that you can control? I let's let's say they went after Michael Fulmer. What would the ask for Detroit be? They they would ask for Bo Bichette for sure. They would likely ask for another younger pitcher, so that would be a Sean Reed Foley or potentially a Zach Jackson if they if they do go, because if they do go sell mode at that point, Detroit's going to trade Shane Green. They're going to try to trade uh, one of one of their bats. I would assume not not Nick Castellanos, but probably a Leonis Martin would be would be on the move as well. So they would be wanting pitching to replace that. So and then they may want the outfielder as well if they decide to trade Martin. So if they traded Michael Fulmer, that could be Bichette. Sean Reed Foley, and then maybe an Anthony Alford 
I, I don't think they'd take Dalton Bombay. Maybe a Dwight Smith Jr. would be on there. So that's three guys that that would potentially be going out. One of them who's already contributed at MLB level. And two guys, one of whom is close, and one of them could be like like all-star level talent. And you're trading that for Michael Fulmer, and you don't have a guarantee of what Michael Fulmer will be. Again, you, we mentioned the Roy Halladay trade. Kyle Drabeck projected very well when the Blue Jays acquired him, and then he gave them, like, what, 10 starts, if that, and was not good. He was not good at that level. Yeah, trading for Michael Fulmer is a little different, but then you also get situations where you trade for guys like David Price, who David Price looked really good, but then he got too expensive, went to Boston, and started having injury issues. You You don't know how certain... Your value is in a pitcher as opposed to your hitters that are coming up. And guys like Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr. and Danny Jansen, who project very well at MLB, that's something you can hold on to. And and pitching you can try and find later when when it's more developed. I, I hate trying to project out pitchers because you don't know what they're really going to end up being. Like, like, let's let's say, let's say Oakland decided to trade Dallas Braden off after its perfect game. Yet he pitched like ten more games after that, and then had injury injury issues. You don't know what these guys are going to be. So, so to trade something more certain in in a bat like Bo Bichette, in a bat like Danny Jansen, to trade something more certain to try and and get a pitcher like that, especially when the price tag is going to be that high. It's not something I'm for. It's not something I think the Blue Jays should be for, especially this far out from their window opening. Because I don't think Jonah Carey thinks that this team will be competitive next year. Like, he, that's why he brought this up. He, he wants to try and get pitching for 2020. But then at that point, you have, you have like, Michael Fulmer going into free agency, and then what are, what are you going to do with him? I, I think it's a very short... I, I know this is a long-term look for Jonah Carey, but I think it's actually pretty short-sighted to think that the Blue Jays need to be at this point where they're trying to acquire more pitching. I I think this year is a burn year. I think next year is likely a burn year as you start to get your prospects up. Then at 2020, you can assess and see if maybe you want to try and acquire some young starting pitching, especially from teams like uh, potentially Atlanta that could have a log jam, potentially Los Angeles, if if they have some of their players coming back, there there will be starting pitching available at that time, and at that time you can better assess what your price will be. So, paying an exorbitant amount to try and lock someone down now feels foolish to me, and I don't think the Blue Jays would consider that maneuver. I I, I get you have to write stuff, but I I just don't see it at all. I don't see the reasoning for Toronto. I don't see the method to do that. I. I think if they did, it would backfire. So th- I, that's all I wanted to say on that. I think they trade Hap, get what they can for him, trade Estrada, trade trade one of the bats if they can, if they can get Pierce or Granderson out, and that's what they do. So that's my take on that. If you guys want to respond to that, tell me what you think about Jonah Carey's proposal and, and how it makes you feel about the Blue Jays, let me know on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. You can follow the podcast at Locked on Jays and check out writing at jaysfromthecouch.com. 
But that'll do it for this one. So for everyone here at Lockdown Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening, and y'all take care.